What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Finance Show podcast. And in today's episodes, I want to discuss tax efficiencies in taxable accounts. I think this is something, uh, a topic that's maybe not covered enough. And because of FIS VX's recent distributions and having a big position in my taxable over $11,000 in that specific mutual fund, I kind of want to talk about the implications of that. What does that mean for uh, long-term investors? And what are some better options that uh, you can hold in taxable accounts? Now, as always, um, the idea of a taxable account is that it's a after-tax uh, account that you open up. It has no restrictions on uh, when you can pull the money. So it's kind of like your savings account or your checking account. You could put the money in and you could take the money out the same day. But it does have tax implications. There are no tax advantages to doing that. So unlike, say, a Roth IRA or traditional IRA where you put in either pre-tax or post-tax money, that money either grows tax-deferred in uh, traditional IRAs or it grows tax-free in Roth IRAs. So you really don't have to worry about taxes in either scenario. I guess in the tax-deferred scenario in the traditional IRA, you have to worry about taxes um, once you start withdrawing where you're going to be taxed at your ordinary income rate. But again, that money went in there tax-free. And all these distributions that you might, if you own mutual funds and you might receive, are going to grow tax-deferred. So they're not going to affect you like they would in the taxable. But in a taxable, it's a little bit of a different story. So I own FISVX, Fidelity, U.S. Small Cap Value Index Fund. I started buying that fund in my taxable uh, in November of 2020. Obviously, I've gone very aggressive with it now. I think I'm added $9,000 in June. And unfortunately, that was right before its uh, distribution date in August. And I knew it was coming. Um, There's a couple of things that I've seen in the fund. One was, obviously, I've seen some turnover at the end of June. I saw that uh, GameStop is no longer in the fund. And I said, well, you know, this fund has owned GameStop since like 2019. So I knew that it sold GameStop and I knew that it had capital distributions. But I just assumed the majority of those were going to be long-term capital distributions, which, again, are going to be taxed at a much more favorable rate. Uh, they're going to be taxed kind of like qualified dividends at a 15% tax rate, again, depending on your tax bracket. But for most individuals, uh, they're going to fall either on the zero or, or the 15 scale. Um, so, you know, that's favorable. It's still not ideal, but it's kind of like, you know, people that receive dividends in their taxable account, uh, qualified dividends, that is. So I figured, you know what, that's not going to be too big of a deal that I'm buying it now. So I bought $9,000 worth of it. And then uh, August 6th rolls around and I get my distributions and I'm going to actually pull these up on my phone so I can read them out to you. But it, it was uh, eye-opening one and it was shocking um, what these distributions look like. So August 6th, FISVX uh, basically issued me three different distributions in my taxable. The first one being um, the dividend, which was $54.40. Um, and this is, let me check my position here. This is going to be on 439 shares. That's how many shares I own. So on 439 shares, and actually some of these were reinvested. So it was a little bit less than that. I own, I got $54.40 in, in my dividends, which is great. I got uh, another distribution of long-term capital gains, which was $287, uh, which is 
surprising because I figured, man, I, the, the majority of this, if it's an index fund, should be long-term capital gains. So meaning that it's the, the fund held these stocks that it turned over for a period of greater than a year. So I was thinking, you know, not a big deal. But then here's the shocker. Short-term capital gains was $517. That's the shocker. So short-term capital gains, meaning that the fund held these stocks in it less than a year. And I couldn't wrap my mind around that because I'm trying to figure out why would uh, an index fund like FISVX, which is just a simple small cap value index fund that tracks the S&P, not the S&P, the Russell 2000 value. I've said the S&P so many times it's ingrained in my head. Why would a fund like that um, have short-term capital distributions? Well, one is the fund was incepted on July of 2019. Now, I did a review about a year and couple of months after the inception of this fund and it's still up on my channel you can take a look at it. it's just a fis vx review and a couple of things that i was concerned about when i was looking at the fund one was the turnover um it, at the time i think it was at like 77 percent or something like that and i said well you know it's again not um out of the ordinary for a brand new fund um because and when a fund is is, is brand new in inception right the there is no holding. So after they underwrite the fund and they start buying the holdings, there's going to be some turnover. Again, it was incepted in July, um, a month after the Russell 2000 does its uh, rebalancing. So again, it was all kind of normal for me and okay. And I said, one of the things I was going to look at is going to be turnover. And I did. And the turnover went down. Um, so by the time I did that review at the end of uh, 2020, the turnover for the fund was at 21%. So I said, great, you know, this is this is a good news. One, the fund lost a lot of money uh, and its turnover went down. So meaning there wouldn't be any capital distribution. So I said, great, you know, this is, uh, this is ideal going into 2021. So I felt comfortable with that. And I started loading it in my taxable account uh, starting in, uh, I think it was, like I said, November of 2020. But then into 2021, I just kept purchasing and purchasing and purchasing. But then I was still in the back of my head uh, kind of having this uh, fight. I was like, well, you know, let's wait till August and let's see. Because now in 2021, there's two things that are going to happen. One, the fund is going to rebalance in June of 2021 as the index rebalances. And then two, the funds made a lot of money since that last rebalance in 2020 because basically the fund's gone up like 126% or something like that from uh, June of 2020 to uh, June of 2021. So this is not the same scenario uh, that I was looking at from June of, uh, from the inception date of July of 2019 to June of 2020, because at that point, the fund's returns were negative. So even if it did have capital distributions, because the returns were negative, uh, it didn't owe any taxes, which was a good thing. The script had flipped this time around because the fund was up like 120%. So instead of uh, kind of listening to my gut and, you know, saying, hey, there's a red flag I should look at here, I just proceeded to dump another nine. 9,500, something like that, into FISVX at the end of June. And now I'm going to pay for it. So I had a total of, in my taxable, $859 in distributions. Um, that's between the dividend distribution, the long-term and the short-term capital gains. Of course, the majority of that, uh, five-eighths of it, was short-term capital gains. So it's almost as if I would have bought the fund in June and then sold it.
it's exactly how it uh, how it gets distributed. So it really hurts you uh, with the tax drag long term. And I only have about eleven eleven thousand five hundred dollars in there, so it's not like you know I already calculated my my tax bill on this, and it's going to cost me uh, $250, give or take. That's not, I mean, the end of the world, but what happens if I have, say, instead of 11000 I had 100000 Well, now we're looking at a tax bill that's closer to like 2500 What if I had 250000 Then we're looking at a tax bill that's closer to 6000 and at that point, that does hurt because that's money you're just throwing out the window basically for no reason. Now, one easy fix for capital distributions, at least, uh, it's quite simple, actually. It's you just own the ETF version. So um, I own the ETF version in one of my taxable accounts in my M1 Finance account, and it's VTWV. Uh, it's not a Fidelity fund. It's a Vanguard ETF, which, again, I support Vanguard fully, guys. I'm a, I'm a boglehead at heart, so absolutely, uh, I like Vanguard funds. I got nothing against them. I just happen to use Fidelity, and this is kind of a funny story. I don't know if I ever told how I came about Fidelity, but Fidelity kind of tricked me. Not that they tricked me, but they had a S&P 500 index fund, FXAIX, that was point, what is it, point one five or it's not two basis points, it's like one and a half basis points. And the equivalent of that with Vanguard is uh, three or four basis points, I don't remember now. And after reading Bogle's book, about uh, the little book of common sense investing and all the things the fees can do. I was so uh, addicted to fee low cost that I was willing to go with fidelity to save two and a half or, or two basis points, whatever the difference was. And that's kind of how I went with fidelity. I think fidelity knew this. They knew uh, uh, in order for them to succeed long-term, they had to capture the index fund investors uh, because Vanguard had done such a good job at that. And they, whatever they did to lower these fees, it worked because I think a lot of brand new index investors were flocking to Fidelity. And then uh, later on that year, uh, the zero funds came out as well. And those were all the talk of town. Uh, you know, Fidelity's got zero commission index, fund, uh, zero expense commission funds. And then obviously Fidelity won zero commission too. So now you can buy Vanguard ETFs on Fidelity if you want for commission free. It doesn't have to just be the iShares ones. But anyways, long story short, that's how I got started with Fidelity. Now with Vanguard was to save the two basis points. So you can see I'm somebody who is uh, looking to save money wherever possible. Um, I, I like to stretch my dollar as far as it can go. I always believed in that saying, a penny saved is a penny earned, and especially when it comes to fees, right? Because the fees are kind of this unnecessary uh, evil in, in, in the financial services industry where you don't have to pay a fee. Like I always <laughs> am flabbergasted by people that have uh, checking accounts and they have to pay a fee to hold their money at a bank. I mean, that's ridiculous. In 2021, if you're playing that gimmick with your bank, it's time to find a, a, a bank that offers free accounts. Anyways, I'm going to get off my high horse here for fees. But what I'm trying to get at is I am very fee sensitive. I'm also looking to be as efficient as possible with the dollars that I deploy, that I deploy in my investing uh, journey, especially my taxable account. I'm very sensitive to the fact that certain uh, funds are going to be really bad for my taxable. 
So with that, I've started to think about how I can transition this going forward. Of course, the most tax efficient way so that this doesn't happen again in the future. And I've gotten a lot of messages too about FISVX. People are asking, why is it down six and a half percent? And, you know, I've took the time and explained to everybody, well, this is what happened. Um, did it surprise me as well? It did. Um, not so much the distributions, but the fact that the majority of the distribution was short term. That's the part that surprised me. And it uh, kind of made me wonder why did this fund do this? And I have to keep digging to figure this out. Uh, this is not something that, you know, you can scratch the surface and find the answer. Obviously, I'm going to have to keep an eye out on this fund going forward. Again, with new funds, this this sort of thing happens. I've been open to you guys uh, about the fact that it is a new fund and that it doesn't have a track record. And there isn't a lot of data where I can track how well does this fund do compared to some of its uh, counterparts like VTWV, which is the same exact fund. But again, VTWV has a, a cost basis of 15 basis points, while FISVX is only five basis points. So now comes the dilemma. Do you chase fees or do you chase tax efficiencies? Which one costs more? Well, in the long run, they're both going to cost you whether uh, you're paying higher fees, those compound over time. Uh, or if you're tax inefficient, you're going to have lots of tax drag and you're going to lose a lot of money to taxes. So now uh, it's back to the drawing board. I'm going to um, re restructure the taxable in my head first. I'm not going to do anything in the account. And as I always tell you guys, you have to uh, really be strategic before you make any changes in your accounts. So I'm going to be very strategic. I'm going to restructure all this on paper, run the scenarios over and over, back test them, do what I got to do uh, to figure out which one's going to be more tax efficient. Now I'm leaning towards the ETF, um, uh, at least for the uh, sake of the small cap value. Um, as far as the other two holdings that I have in there, they're low turnover index funds, FIX, uh, FXAIX, which is the Fidelity 500 fund, has a turnover rate of 4%. And FTIHX, which is the total international uh, index fund, has a turnover of 3%, which is even better. Have They haven't paid capital distributions in about two years. I'm not too worried about those two funds at the moment. But I, again, I am worried about small cap value going forward, especially because I believe so much that small cap value can outperform and sometimes in big bursts like it had uh, last year and how it's doing so far this year. I mean, it's not the best performing, but it is towards the top. Um, so I am worried about those things. And I do want to uh, make sure that I set myself up going forward to be as tax efficient as possible. So I'll be sharing a lot of that uh, probably through the podcast side. I don't know. With See, YouTube's a funny uh, world because... The algorithm uh, on YouTube doesn't like it when I put out educational pieces. The algorithm only likes it when I put out top videos or my portfolio or buy this, buy that. Like, it likes those hype type of things. Um, when I talk about uh, nuances like tax efficiency or fees, uh, low costs and all that, the uh, YouTube algorithm does not push my video. Now, of course, I'm not in it here to become some famous YouTuber. Uh, my goal here is to educate people. Like I always say, I want to educate the masses. Uh, but at the same time, 
it is a way that I support myself. It is how I make my living. And I hope you guys can understand. Sometimes you will see content on YouTube from me um, that is probably more tailored to the algorithm than to, to being educational. For example, like these top five Fidelity Index Fund videos of 2021. Um, believe it or not, those videos are probably the best performing ones that I do. They're videos that make me a decent amount of money, allow me to cover a lot of my costs um, in the business and in my personal life costs. So those videos are kind of a necessary evil that I have to put on my channel. I think you guys hopefully can see that and understand that and not um, buy into that hype. It's uh, no different, I guess, than when I do the portfolio update videos. Um, is there a need for me to update my portfolio every month? Probably not, um, especially because what I encourage, I encourage not peeking and not looking. And then here I am showing you my portfolio every month. Uh, you don't have to watch those videos, but uh, they do get pushed by YouTube and I do get compensated uh, for them. So that's why I continue to make them. Um, I know some people have said it's helped them and that's great, but um, it's not, you know, the type of content that I want to be making is more on the educational side, more on the efficiency side, more on diving into funds and really trying to understand the inner workings of funds. But again, the majority of people are not interested in that. So I, I completely understand. But that's why I have something like this podcast and I just decided to grab my mic and start recording this episode so for those of you guys that are interested in this type of detail you can probably find me here on the podcast and i'll uh, every time i'm looking to um, expand on a certain subject i'll come on here and just talk about it so here's the plan going forward and like i said we're not gonna have some knee-jerk reaction to one distribution from this fund and say it's a terrible fund but uh, it will put this fund on um on a uh, under a microscope for sure in my taxable now in my Roth I'm not worried about it in my traditional I'm not worried about it because as I always tell you guys it's a zero-sum distribution so if you um, let's say it paid out I think it was 7.5 percent was what the distribution was um, if you look at um, what the price was at the time versus how much it paid out per share because it paid over two dollars a share in distributions um, it then, whatever that money is that it distributed to you, it then simply took and rebought itself at the lower price that it lowered, that it dropped by. So it dropped by, so it had the distribution of $2 and some change. The share price dropped by $2 and some change. And then that distribution amount went back and bought the same share and went back and bought the same fund at the lower cost of the share. So a net sum of zero before taxes. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, if you have it in a Roth, your stuff is grown tax-free. You don't have to worry about it. If you have it in a traditional or a 401k or something like that, it's grown tax-deferred. You still don't have to worry about it. Of course, you will when you retire and start drawing on it, uh, but that is uh, still tax-deferred in the moment, so it's efficient to hold in those types of accounts. Now, going back to the taxable side again and what the strategy is going to be, like I said, we're not going to have any kind of knee-jerk reactions. Uh, I will go to the drawing board. I have looked at a couple of potential scenarios. One is simple. It's actually probably the more effective one, which is to harvest some of these losses. Because another thing that happens is, especially if you're someone like me who bought the majority of his 
shares in June of 2021. That was only a month and a half ago. And now after the distribution, because for the most part I was flat, I only, you know, the majority of my average share price was last month. So my returns previous to that were up like 20%. But now that I bought most of them and you kind of average it out, I was kind of flat on the on my position in FISVX. So what I can do now that there's a distribution, my my average um, cost was like 27 bucks, but now the average share price, uh, now the share price is like 25. I can sell this for a loss, harvest the losses on my future taxes or on next year's taxes um, and buy something that's different, but pretty close to it. So I've been looking at that as an option as well. Now, unfortunately, the thing is I can't sell FISVX, which is an index fund that tracks the Russell 2000 value, and then buy VTWV, which is an index fund that tracks the Russell 2000 value. That would trigger the wash sale. The wash rule simply says um, you can harvest losses by selling a security uh, whether it's a stock or a mutual fund or ETF, whatever the case may be, you can harvest losses by selling it at a loss. So you can write off future uh, potential gains, but you cannot do it if you're buying something that's identical to it, right? So you can't sell uh, the S&P 500 index fund from Fidelity and buy an S&P 500 index fund from Vanguard. But could you potentially do a sell a S&P 500 and buy a total market? Well, that, again, that's the gray area. And one place I'm looking is potentially selling a, a, the Fidelity small cap value into taxable, harvesting those losses, because I do have, uh, at this point, after the distributions, about seven or $800 in losses. I can harvest those and then turn around and buy something like VIOV, which is the Vanguard ETF of the, uh, the S&P 600 small cap value, right? So completely different index, uh, completely different holdings. Uh, FXAIX has uh, 16 or, no, I'm sorry, 1,500 holdings. And VIOV has, I think, like four or five or 600 holdings. The top 10 look completely different. So that's to me, is justifiable as something that's different. Um I've said before why I'm a fan of the Russell 2000 value because it's broader based, more like an index fund, um, but it's this uh, S&P 600 is, is much more narrower. It does look at a couple of other metrics to exclude certain stocks. Um, it doesn't have AMC in it, for example, while FISVX does. But then again, it has GameStop, right? So it's it's just a difference of opinion in my case in my belief is which one is better i don't think there is such a thing as which one is better um, because we don't know what they're going to do long term but that is an option so i've been considering that another thing that i've been considering uh, that i have to weigh is i I love the monkey three strategy uh, but i might have to uh, uh, only use it in my tax advantage accounts and just do something like vti in my taxable the reason I say that is because something like VTI um, is going to be very, very tax efficient. One, it's a large cap blend, so it's got low, low turnover. Uh, two, it's an ETF, so it's not going to have capital distributions. And three, it just gives you the returns of the market. Um, it's probably going to be more efficient than owning a small cap value in an international. Again, I have to run the numbers and make sure. Uh, but that is the other idea I'm tossing around. 
in kind of changing my kind of stance on having the Mucky 3 in a taxable. Although I must say, um, in my M1 Finance account, I do have the Mucky 3 in a taxable. I've shown you guys that account. Of course, it's nowhere near my taxable at Fidelity. It's only at like 1200 bucks, but it holds three ETFs. It's very tax efficient. Uh, and I can argue probably that it's just as tax efficient as VTI because um, the dividend yield on small cap value is much smaller uh, than the dividend yield on VTI, for example. The dividend yield on VTWV is like 1% or a little bit under a percent. VTI is like 1.4. I guess VXUS, which is the total international, has a higher dividend yield. It's two, two and a quarter, maybe two and a half now. Um, so again, we can argue that too. The idea is here, the, the best way to be tax efficient is to have no distributions in your taxable, uh, whether they, they be capital or, or, or dividend distributions. <clears throat> the idea is you don't want any. And I think uh, I've also been tossing around the idea of trying to find the fund that has the lowest yield uh, in the taxable uh, that has basically... Uh, all growth. Now, there is a way to do it, too, if you look at uh, a large cap growth fund. <clears throat> excuse me. If you look at a large cap growth fund, for example, like VOOG, um, it's got a dividend yield. And this, it doesn't have to just be VOOG. You can look at VUG, um, a lot of different growth funds. They're going to have a dividend yield of less than half a percent, meaning that they don't distribute much. They're all They're all capital appreciation. They're all growth. Now, you know I'm not a fan of those uh, because long-term they become a little bit more riskier. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit. I should say a lot more riskier than a large-cap blend uh, because they tend to uh, get into stocks that are overpriced, over overvalued, and they only have one direction they can go after that, and that's down. So that's probably not the brightest thing for me to do. Um, so I'm tossing around those two different ideas. I can uh, keep the monkey three in the taxable uh, tax loss harvest some of these losses from FISVX and get it flipped over into something like VIOV. Um, people have asked me about AVUV. I've done a video on that again. AVUV is great if you're a full on um value investor and you believe in the in the five factor model uh not that i don't i do believe in it but again i believe in broad diversification low cost um first before i believe in anything else so it, it's difficult for me to justify purchasing avuv if you want to do it by all means go ahead um it will be probably more tax efficient than fisvx at the end of the day either way um but that that's the thought process right now um I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. I know we've had some discussions already in my private Discord about this. Um, it is on my radar. I am deeply, deeply uh, concerned about it going forward, especially with uh, how big the balances are getting. I think my taxable account's approaching the six-figure status in just that account, that bridge account. So I need to be aware that you know the, this will have long-term implications if, if I don't make some adjustments. And this is all part of the investing journey. Um, you know, this is, uh, why I kind of do this YouTube stuff and the podcast stuff. Um, I have no problem saying when I'm wrong, I was definitely wrong in putting FISVX in, in my taxable. I knew that, um, but I'm a little bit of hard headed and stubborn sometimes. And, um, I needed to pay the price before I make a change. I'm always, been, I've always been like that though. So, uh, it is what it is, but, um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll learn from this and we'll move forward and we'll restructure it in a way where it's more tax efficient and uh, it'll be a little blimp on the radar going forward. But uh, I think it is important that I admit to you guys that I am wrong. I was wrong for doing that. And uh, if, if there's a lot of you guys that uh, kind of followed me um, that in your taxables with that, and hopefully you weren't hit too hard um, with the distributions, and uh, hopefully one of these two strategies work for you as well if you're looking to, to uh, rebalance or not rebalance, if you're looking to tax loss harvest or if you're looking to uh, just cut ties with, with the monkey three and a taxable and stick with something like VTI, which again, uh, I had a podcast episode. What was it back in like July? I want to say like July 9th with, uh, DJ. DJ is a very, very, uh, intelligent when it comes to the stock market. And that's one thing he told me is, Hey, am I taxable? And he's, uh, he's about nine or 10 years away or further into his investing journey than I am. So he's made these mistakes, I presume. And he's, uh, He's been uh, giving me some good advice, but he said, "Hey, in my tax plan, I just have VTI uh, for the re- for these basic reasons." And um, at the time we recorded that podcast, I think that day was the day that I was buying FISVX uh, like nine grand or something in the thing in the uh, tax bill. And I said, "Oh, you know, well, yeah, you know, that's something I'll probably consider later on. I know it'll burn me, and it burned me." So. Um, Big shout out to you, DJ. I know you're you're listening. I appreciate the support, brother. Um, but yeah, this is uh, something we'll reevaluate going forward. I think it's it'll be a good learning opportunity for for uh, a lot of new investors, and uh, it'll kind of keep me grounded as well. That you know, I don't know everything there is to know, um, and even some of the things that I know, sometimes I'm a little bit too hard headed to to change. Uh, because, uh, and this is part of the reason why I think uh, Bogle's stuff worked really well on me is. Um, after I read a lot of his books, I came to the conclusion that change is bad and not in the sense of, you know, everything else around you, just change in investments is bad. And, um, this monkey three was the, uh, fix or the end all solution for me, meaning that, you know, once I set this strategy up, I don't have to make any more changes. This is something I can ride with. And it's a really good strategy, by the way, and I'm not trying to dog the strategy itself, um, it's just that the placement of the funds that I used in the taxable is is where it kind of falls apart um, using the, the the mutual funds from Fidelity and the taxable. But anyways, that's the uh, update on that. Hopefully you guys found this a little bit uh, educational, a little bit beneficial to your investing journey. That's the goal of all this. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And by the way, guys, uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, um, which I'm trying to do more often. Sometimes I just uh, feel like, hey, I'm going to record myself. So I just jump on here and record myself. But uh, if you do like listening to the podcast, and if you have a iPhone, go ahead and go to the uh, the podcast side and leave me a rating and leave me a review. So the way you want to do that is when you go to your podcast, wherever you listen on your iPhone, search the Monkey Finance Show uh, then you scroll down to the bottom and you're going to see it's going to say ratings and reviews. Currently, we have 11 ratings. I'm rated a 4.6. Um, and I haven't believe, uh, yeah, I haven't gotten a new uh, uh, a review since, uh, shout out to you, Solomon Phoenix. I haven't gotten a new review since August 1st. So I do read them live on air. If you do want to go on there, write me a review, leave me a rating. I will read your review live here. 
on the uh, podcast recording and it helps me out a lot as well uh, because unlike the YouTube algorithm, which is complex, the podcast algorithm is not very complex. Um, There is no way uh, for me to uh, kind of uh, make content that the algorithm will push outside of this kind of rating system. So if you're like me and you're not a new podcast, but a very small podcast. I've been podcasting now for a year, but I'm a very small podcast. Um, I get a couple of thousands of listens. Um, there's no way uh, for 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 the podcast to grow unless you guys are sharing it with one another, which I would appreciate that. Um, or if this uh, rating and review system gets a lot of reviews and ratings, then the Apple podcast will kind of push it on its recommended platform. And uh, that would hopefully help it grow. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, have a great rest of your day. And remember, move obstacles, keep investing. Mm-hmm.